HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode of Time for Lunch is brought to you by the wonderfully Michigan Montmorency Tart Cherries. Learn more at choosecherries.com. It's time for lunch. Welcome to Time for Lunch. This is a place to learn about eating, cooking, enjoying, and sometimes playing with your food. Each episode, we cover a new subject. I'm Hannah Forden. And I'm Harry Rosenblum. Tune in for food, fun, and flavor. (sighs) How are you feeling today, Harry? To be honest, I'm tired. This spring has been a challenge for many of us. My family are all doing school and work from home, and I bet a lot of our listeners know how hard it can be to focus on schoolwork when you're not actually at school. How are you feeling, Hannah? I feel the same way. We are so lucky that we have a chance to speak with friends all across the country on time for lunch, and we're all in the same boat. The last few months have taught us a lot about ourselves and how we can adapt to, let's face it, difficult circumstances. So, friends and listeners, this week, along with many of our friends and neighbors, Hannah and I are doing our best to think about how we can best support our community. You might be hearing on the news that many Americans are speaking out about inequality in this country. It takes a lot of committed and caring people to make big changes, and it's an exciting moment where we're gathering together to try and help everyone feel safe. It's amazing to see how powerful we can be when we all work together to make our voices heard. We can each lend our voice and take action to make sure that we get to know and celebrate people around us from all different backgrounds. Sharing food is one of my favorite ways of connecting with people and learning about them. Everyone eats, and the stories behind the food are pretty interesting. Exactly. What's your food tradition in your family? Do you have pancakes on Sunday? Fish on Friday? Are there days when your family fasts for religious holidays? We'd love to hear about them, so send us a memo. So join us today and every day as we commit to building positive connections with our friends and neighbors and try to find ways that we can learn from one another and celebrate each other. Everybody needs a little extra love right now, so let's spread kindness and curiosity wherever we go. Parents, please continue to teach your children what is right and vote for change. That is our most powerful tool in a democracy. (music) 
We have a special guest here for lunch today, and it's up to you to guess who they are and what the theme of today's episode is. Are you ready? Yes. What shape are you? I'm usually round, but come in lots of various and interesting shapes and sizes. Hmm. Are you grown or made? I'm made. What's your job? I hold food over a fire or on a stove so you can cook it. Are you shiny? No, I'm dull and usually black. What are you made of? I'm made from iron. Can you guess what I am? Hmm, a cast iron skillet. Hannah, do you have a cast iron skillet? Yes, it is my favorite cooking tool. My mom only ever cooked anything in a cast iron skillet growing up. And when I went off to college, she got me one of my very own, and I still have it. And someday I'm going to pass it down to my kids. That's amazing. I bet that pan has cooked a lot of tasty meals. There's a really neat artist named Alyssa Toninato who makes skillets shaped like every state in the United States of America. So you can see a map where all the states are made of cast iron skillets. That's super cool. Cast iron skillets used to be called spiders because they had legs on the bottom for using right over a fire. They're a super versatile pan. That means you can do a lot with them. They can go on the stove, in the oven, or even right in the campfire. They also used to be made in lots of cool shapes, like a cornbread pan where each piece of bread was shaped like an ear of corn. I have one of those, and I love it. doesn't sink in water. What do you call a cat that doesn't sink in water? A bobcat. Thanks for that joke, Frank. Now it's time for our question of the day. The answer to this question is somewhere in this episode, so listen carefully. How long has cast iron been used for cooking? The answer is later in the episode, so see if you can find it. This episode of Time for Lunch is brought to you by the wonderfully Michigan Montmorency Tart Cherries. Did you know that there are more than 1,000 kinds of cherries in the United States? But there's one extra special cherry called the Montmorency that I want to tell you about. They're tart cherries, which means they're a little sweet and a little sour. Michigan produces about 75% of the U.S. tart cherry production. That's the state that looks like a mitten, way up next to Canada. Montmorency tart cherries are grown on family farms and harvested in late July, early August. It's hard to find them fresh. 99% of tart cherries are processed into dried, frozen, canned, and made into juice. So we can enjoy them all year round. Yum! Montmorency tart cherries are one of America's superfruit, which means they're good for you. Not only are tart cherries delicious, but they provide nutrients and antioxidants that young eaters need to keep their minds and bodies healthy. Learn more about the wonderfully Michigan-grown Montmorency tart cherry at choosecherries.com. I love cast iron pans. 
They're passed down from one generation to the next. They can cook anything and work on every kind of stove there is. Wood, coal, gas, electric, and probably some that haven't even been invented yet. They can be heavy, and this helps them hold heat, which is one of the reasons they're so great to cook in. When you're cooking, the pan is responsible for transferring the heat of the flame into the food. And since cast iron stays hot when you put room temperature food into it, the retained heat helps it cook more evenly. There are a lot of people who collect old cast iron pans, not only because they work so well, but because they were made in so many different shapes and sizes. Back in March, I visited a modern factory where they make cast iron cookware. It was really neat to see the process. The pans are made from molten metal that's red hot. Once it cools, there's a lot of work to clean and grind the surface to get it smooth. Then it's seasoned. That means they apply a few layers of oil to the pan to help it release food when you cook in it and protect the iron from rusting. There are lots of big, loud machines and heavy rolling racks of skillets. My name is Isaac Morton, and I am the founder of the Smithy Ironware Company. I was given a pan by my sister-in-law years ago. I thought, wow, this is an amazing vintage piece of cookware. I started collecting old pieces and I finish them in my garage, in my backyard, give them to friends and family, uh, made great gifts for you know wedding presents and birthday presents and that sort of thing. Cast iron cookware used to be the most common type of pan in America. There were dozens of companies making them. All but one of them had closed until a few years ago when some newer companies like Smithy opened and started making them in the old tradition. Cast iron fell out of favor for years as more high-tech materials like nonstick and stainless steel took over. But in the last few years, there's been a huge resurgence of cast iron, and now there are lots more options for cooks who want to use cast iron, especially made here in the United States. They are simple and are made from one element, iron. And yes, they're very versatile. Just this week, I've cooked eggs, made greens, cooked a steak, fried chicken, and made bread in cast iron. I asked Isaac what he likes to cook in his cast iron. Cast iron is so versatile. It's very versatile. I mean, you can go from the oven to the stovetop um, to the grill. We've been doing crepes here recently, and that's kind of fun. Omelets. Uh, I love steak that's going from the stovetop to the oven and then back to the stovetop with like a finishing with butter or, or rosemary. That's a lot of fun. There are a few other types of pans that last as long as cast iron. They're built to last, and with the proper care, they will last for generations. Forever. It'll outlive you. And that's what that's really something that makes cast iron special in a lot of ways. And people gravitate to it as an heirloom is that it's it holds memories. It holds memories from generations uh, of family who've owned it before you in a lot of cases. Um, and people uh, appreciate and, and enjoy those memories that come from a piece of cookware. There's not, you know, your, your steel cookware or your aluminum cu cookware doesn't necessarily uh, evoke that type of emotion from people. But I think people love cast iron because it does last so long. It takes a little bit of care to, to keep it up. When you invest in it, 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 it gives back to you. So I think people enjoy that part of it as well. I have a few pans that are over 100 years old that I use every day. They do require a little bit of care, but as Isaac said, if you take care of the pan, it will take care of you. I like to think of it as there's a little bit of every dish that's ever been cooked in the pan that makes it into your next meal. I like to think about what kind of food the original owners of my pans used to make in them all those years ago. The best way to care for a cast iron skillet is to 
um, put a little bit of oil on its surface after you use it and clean it off after you've used it. And when I say clean it, just sort of scrub any rough food residual that's on the surface, keeping it dry and putting a really light coat of oil on it, on, on cast iron is a great way to keep it going. People get intimidated by the care for cast iron, but it's really, it's, it's not complicated. Just a little bit of oil, a little bit of, but you know, clean it up after you use it. Thanks, Isaac. So remember, clean up after yourself in the kitchen and make sure to oil your cast iron pans. We've got more cast iron facts coming right up, but first, dance break! Welcome back. Did you know that cast iron has been used for cooking for almost 2,000 years? That's a long time. That's amazing. I have a skillet that's about 150 years old, and it works just like it did back then. I wonder how many dinners have been cooked in that pan. Englishman Abraham Darby is credited with revolutionizing cast iron cookware. In 1707, he patented a method for casting iron into relatively thin pots and kettles. It's a process that made them cheaper to produce and paved the way for all the cast iron that's been made over the last 300 years. When it comes to washing up, cast iron is different than any other cooking material. Do you know why? I think I do. You're not really supposed to use any soap to clean it. Isn't that crazy? Everybody always tells you that you need soap to get anything clean. Cast iron is different. If the pan is properly used, it has a special layer of grease that protects the surface and keeps food from sticking. This is called the seasoning. I reached out to our friends at Sever Magazine for a cornbread recipe that works great right in a skillet. We'll post the instructions on our Facebook page. Hi, this is Kat Craddock. I'm the Test Kitchen Director and Food Editor at Sever Magazine. This jalapeno cornbread is true Tex-Mex. It's popular in both Mexico and in southern Texas, where it is essentially ranch food. The area's vaqueros, or Mexican cowboys, traditionally baked this savory bread, which is spiked with spicy tart pickled jalapenos, directly in a cast iron skillet. For the best, crispiest crust, you're going to want to throw the skillet in the oven while it preheats and while you make the batter. Once you're ready to bake, drop some butter in that hot pan and swirl it around a little to coat the bottom insides. Get an adult to help you because cast iron is heavy. Once that's done, scrape your batter into the skillet, smooth the top with the back of a spoon, and bake. This bread is obviously great with Tex-Mex or a sweet Texas-style barbecue, but it's also delicious on its own, warm out of the oven for breakfast with plenty of soft butter. Yum! Thank you so much, Kat, for that delicious recipe. And before we wrap up today's show we're gonna hear a book recommendation from our friend, Wolf. Hi, my name is Wolf. I'm seven years old and I'm from Brooklyn. The book is called, that I'm recommending is called Mr. Waffles by David Weissner. It's about a cat that plays with an alien spaceship. I recommend it because even little kids who can't read can read it. Okay, bye. At the beginning of the episode, you'll remember that we asked, How long has cast iron been used for cooking? And the answer is... 
Cast iron has been used for cooking for almost 2,000 years. And one last thing, here's a note that our friend Lila sent in about another dish that you can cook in a cast iron skillet. My name's Lila, I'm from Brooklyn. That's maybe the gigantic pancake. It's all flat. I put it, we put it into the pan and put it in the oven. Then it puffs up a lot. When we take it out, it's really puffy. That's how you make a Dutch baby. I like to put jam on mine. It's time for lunch. Thanks for listening to Time for Lunch. We'll be back next week with more tasty stories. Thanks to Frank, Lila, and Wolf for sharing their voices on the show today. The show is written, produced, edited, and hosted by Harry Rosenblum and Hannah Forden, with engineering by Liam Werner. Time for Lunch is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. And please stay in touch. Whether you have a joke you'd like to share or a story, or if you'd just like to tell us what you had for lunch, we love to hear from our listeners. You'll be able to hear your voice on the show, just like Lila and Wolf and Frank this week. It's super easy to record your voice using the Voice Memo app on an iPhone or on your laptop. Ask a grown-up to help you email us at timeforlunchpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to include your name, age, and address so we can send you something in return. Thanks for listening.